this morning in our Christmas message, I want to read to you from the book of Matthew. But before I do that, I want to read to you from the book of Seuss. One of the missing books of the Bible. (laughs) It reads, Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. This morning I want to talk to you a message called The Ultimate Grinch. And before we go on further, we'll actually read now from the book of Matthew. This is the Christmas story. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Why was there a Christmas Why did God send his son into the world? Why are we celebrating what we're celebrating with millions of other believers all over the world at this time of the year? What we're celebrating is the coming of Jesus who came for the sole purpose to save his people from their sins. Sin. It has darkened the heart of man since Adam and Eve first turned against God in the Garden of Eden. Sin that invisible force that causes a cute and adorable toddler to grab at something and yell, MINE! Sin, the compelling energy that drives men and women to put themselves first at any cost, be it lying, cheating, stealing, hurting, or even killing. Sin. The poisonous and deadly siren song that seduces us, that draws us to acts we know will ultimately destroy us. Sin. It hypnotizes us with its glitter, like Gollum, the hideous spiny creature from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, who craves the ring of power. Unaware that the ring makes a slave out of him, he loves it. He longs for it. He craves it. He calls it my precious. Sin. It is what makes life on this planet often seem more like hell than heaven. People often ask questions like, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why are there wars? Why 
famines. Why do so few have riches while so many live in abject poverty? Why do men abandon their wives and children? Why do women turn on their own babies? Why are so many addicted to destructive habits that bring so much misery to so many people? Why? Because of one thing, one thing only, sin. So what was the great glad tidings of great joy that the angels sang about? What is this incredible good news that the gospels herald? What is it that millions of people around the world will celebrate this Christmas? The joyous news is this. Jesus has come to set us free from the power of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Of course, make no mistake, the lure of sin is still there even to people of faith. The temptation to turn away from God's plan is always at the door. The glitter of the poisonous forbidden fruit still shines as brightly as it ever did. But what is the difference for a person who's been born again? Who has embraced Christ as his or her savior? The difference is this. We can say no. We are free from sin. Jesus has made it possible that this power will no longer dominate our lives the scripture says sin shall not have dominion over us god will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle this of course is what makes it so particularly sad when people of faith do fail and people fail people mess up one of the things that we're always trying to do fundamentally when we gather together as people of faith and teach you the scriptures and 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 teach you how to live is we're trying to teach you how to walk free from the destructive power of sin you see jesus has made you free what's sad is so many people though being set free don't realize they're free it's like people uh, around the world, every once in a while you see these movies in the, of the, the Pacific during World War II, how the war was over, but they didn't know the war was over, and they're still fighting, and they're still struggling, and they're still shooting at each other, not realizing, hey, it's over! Lay it down! One of the things that we're constantly trying to teach people is, look, you can walk free. These things that try to influence you and and destroy your lives, it doesn't have to have control of you anymore. Of course, the devil will lie to you and tell you it's still as before. That you have no power, that you have to yield, but you don't have to yield. We can actually walk in love. We can actually be nice. Even around Christmas time. Those of you who will be gathering tonight and tomorrow with family and friends. A lot of people you only see once a year. There's a reason you only see them once a year. (laughs) Because they can be highly irritating. Believe it or not, you can be nice around these people. Why? Because of the love of God that is in you. You can walk free. But so often we're unaware of the fact that we can be free. I find it fascinating as, as I read the New Testament and 
There's a particular part in the book of Corinthians where Paul wrote to these Corinthians men. and It's the part where he talks about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever heard that? Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We, all, we often refer to that in, in, in kind of out of context ways. We say, well, the reason you shouldn't smoke cigarettes is because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Or the reason you should exercise, which I do not do. But uh, I should. <laughs> we should do because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The reason we should eat right or the reason we should take vitamins or whatever different cause people seem to embrace. We often use that verse. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why we should do these things. But if you read the context, that is not what he's talking about. He was writing to these men in the church of Corinth who had a bit of a nasty habit. They kept stopping by the, the temple's and having sex with the temple prostitutes. A bit of a nasty habit. Now you would think that Paul would write to them and say, you filthy, wicked, rotten, stupid people, what's the matter with you? And slap them upside one way and the other. Which is what I'll do if I catch you've been doing that. But anyway, <laughs> you would think. That's why, but he doesn't do that. As His response to them is, hello, wake up. Don't you realize who you are? We're not slaves to this stuff anymore. God lives in you, he says. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We're joined together with Christ. We are free. See, rather than condemn and holler at them, and even if I holler at you, I'll still encourage you later. But rather than yell and holler at them, what he was trying to get through to them is, look, you don't get it. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to let destructive habits and things in your life control you. We have been set free. And he tries to show them and encourage them. And that's what we're constantly trying to show you and encourage you as people of faith. That we can be free. We can walk in love. We don't have to be poisoned by destructive sin. Now without Christ, without Jesus... People will always be slaves to sin. What's so funny is oftentimes people outside of faith claim to be free and sneer at people of faith and say, gee, that's too bad. Too bad you're all bound up in all that stuff and you can't be free like us. No, 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 no. The reverse is true. It's people of faith who've been set free. People without Christ are slaves to sin. While claiming to be free, they walk in bondage. Oh, that they might be able to discipline themselves to avoid, you know, the really nasty sins. You know, they might pull themselves together and they're not into drug abuse, alcoholism or some sexual misdeed. But I promise you, at the end of the day, their hearts will always yield to sin in one way or another. For without Christ, all men and women in this world are slaves to the destructive power of sin. The good news is, the glad tidings of great joy is, that in Christ we are free. You see, the true Grinches hate Christmas not because of happy songs, flashing lights, or brightly packaged presents. Grinches hate Christmas because they do not want to be saved from their sins. Indeed, they love their sins. And their hatred for Christianity lies in our Savior's call to turn away from sin. Too many people are like King Herod, the ultimate Grinch, 
The murderous tyrant who had every boy two years and under killed in the village of Bethlehem. Just because he had heard there might be another king being born. Rather than be threatened to lose his power and his ability to live in the full measure of his sin. He murdered all those little boys. Herod loved his sins to such a degree. He went to extreme efforts to protect his sins. Sadly, we live in a culture today where people do indeed love their sins. One of the reasons you hear so much strong anti-Christian sentiment today on the news and in different places around the country and people fight so hard to keep Christianity out of the public places and, you know, we can't have the Ten Commandments in public. How horrible would that be? Or, or nativity scenes and all these horrible... The reason they fight against it so hard is because they love their sins. And they lash out at people of faith because we expose and denounce the sin without being mean to people. Just all you have to do is say, you know, that's wrong. What you're doing is wrong. And they hate that. And they try to turn the tables and say, you're... You're the ones who are intolerant, evil people. (laughs) Granted, we stress to them that God loves the sinner while hating the sin. But this is no comfort to these people. Because it's the sin that they love. They'll go to great lengths, as did Herod, to protect their sin. To keep their sin. To shelter and embrace the very thing that's destroying them. Sadly, in our nation today, rather than admit to our sins, we dress them up and we give them nice names. When we have sex outside of marriage, we don't call it sin. We call it making love. When we kill our unborn children, we don't call it sin. We call it choice. When we abandon our wives and children for our own selfish pursuits, we don't call that sin. We call it finding ourselves. When we fail to discipline our children, wind up raising little hellions, we don't call it sin, we call it building self-esteem. When we exploit the poor and the uneducated, we don't call it sin, we call it the lottery. When we pollute the airwaves and internet with profanity and pornography, we don't call it sin. We call it freedom of expression. Sadly, the list goes on and on and on. Jesus came to earth not to excuse our sin. He lived a miraculous life not to reclassify or rename our sin. He was brutally beaten and crucified on a cross not to justify our sin, but he came, lived and offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice for mankind for one overriding reason as the angel said to save us from our sins you see a true Grinch is not a Grinch because he doesn't like the holidays what makes a Grinch a true Grinch is that he loves his sin and hates anything and anyone that says to him turn away from your sins and turn to the Christ child who is the only one who can save you from your sin for this indeed is the true meaning of Christmas back to the book of Seuss here 
He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Indeed, Christmas means a great deal more. It's not about parties, though we enjoy them. It's not even really about giving or receiving gifts, though you may send me as many as you like. (laughs) The true meaning of Christmas is found in these powerful words that the angel spoke. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I'm going to ask our ushers to come at this time and our worship team to come back as we get ready to serve communion this morning. The question is, have you allowed the true meaning of Christmas to penetrate your heart this morning? Have you allowed the power of the gospel to set you free from the power of sin? Or are you holding on to your sin? Pretending that it's not really sin at all. Justifying your sin with all kinds of reasonings and lovely platitudes. Oh, it's okay. I know we shouldn't, but we're in love. I know I truly shouldn't have, but but it was going to cost me money if I told them the truth. I, uh, I want to be able to give more to the church. The Christ that was sent to earth lives this morning and has the power to forgive you, to set you free from your sin. But you must turn away from your sin and turn your heart toward God. Before we partake of communion this morning, reflecting on the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice that paid for the sins of the world, and really this is what this is all about. I find it fascinating that this time of the year is when the world is most comfortable with the idea of Jesus, because he's a baby. They like the idea of Jesus as a baby, because babies are very non-threatening. Babies don't say anything. Babies don't require anything. Babies don't make any statements that might interfere with our lives. Indeed, it is the idea and the perception of Jesus as a man calling people to surrender their lives in faith to Christ, to turn from their sins, to forsake all, to follow Him. That's the Jesus most people don't like. But you have to understand, the reason Jesus came to be born was to grow into that man, into that Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. That's what communion is all about. Reflecting on the broken body and the blood of Jesus. Before we take that, I'd like us all to bow our heads together. I'd like us all to pray this prayer together. If you've, if you've never truly surrendered your heart to Jesus, if you've never asked Christ into your life, let me encourage you, if you'll pray this prayer with us this morning, if you'll truly mean it, Jesus can bring to you the true miracle of Christmas which is to save us from our sins. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, you sent your son Jesus 
to save the world from sin. I ask you to forgive me. To come into my life. I choose to turn away from my sin. And to follow you. Thank you for loving me. And for forgiving me. Amen. I'm going to encourage the ushers to go ahead and pass out the communion this morning. If you're a first time guest or visitor, you can join with us.